Riding high on the success of the award-winning Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the decision to make a comic book movie certainly was a surprising one. After all, in 2003, it was still a far cry from the billion-dollar industry that the Marvel Cinematic Universe would usher in for comic book movies. At the same time, with a filmography that leaned more towards arthouse styling and stories about family dysfunction, would Lee really be the best choice to revive a character whose on-screen presence had laid dormant since 1990's Death of the Incredible Hulk? Much less with a heavily sterilised version and one that rested heavily on the of the father-focused storyline. I'm Elwood. I'm Kim. And you listen to Movies and Tea. Let's take it to the booth. seems like almost like a lifetime ago that this movie came out uh the film itself saw eric banner taking on the role of uh bruce banner so um while joined by uh, jennifer Connelly playing betty and sam elliott as general thunderbolt theaters um this is a film which rather than sort of kick-starting this whole big sort of era for comic book movies which it certainly seemed to at the time I mean this was the number one movie and then rapidly dropped down the following weekend about 62% uh, percent drop uh, the following weekend and here we see Angley really trying to do something different with the comic book movie as he doesn't give us really a comic book movie as such but more one of his films which just happens to feature comic book characters as this is a film which uh, many found to be kind of long, kind of tedious, and more of a. They're not just felt very was too was uh, just too serious and not enough fun, but um, we're obviously going to get into it tonight and see if we can, you know, see what we thought on this reevaluation because as I said this, been time has passed since its release and sometimes films need a little bit of breathing room, like mm-hmm. a good wine, to sort of show us their full flavour. But uh, yeah, Kim. What do you think of Hulk? Hmm. It's <laughs> a good place to start. Uh, I guess I have kind of mixed feelings about Hulk in general. Um, I had only recently this year saw the later one, um, the 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 what uh, the two thousand and eight Incredible Hulk that kickstarted kind of like the second film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's going on right now. Yeah, obviously. So I kind of like have this really fresh idea of Hulk and I felt like I was watching kind of the same thing. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, uh, this Hulk is, I think I really like the style of it in the sense that it does really try to have that comic book effect where, you know, you have like split screens coming in and taking different angles and you're kind of, it, at some points transition wise, it's it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like flipping through a comic book or looking at a comic book page pop up under the screen. Um, but on the other hand, I have very mixed feelings about Eric Bana as an actor. And I'm <laughs> not sure I completely like him as Hulk yet. I'm still trying to, you know, <laughs> it's still in a debate because the movie is still fairly fresh in my mind. Yeah, I mean, obviously Eric Banner, he's kind of does the same thing that Tom Hardy does, but better. In that he's this tries to go for this always intense uh, style of acting, where he's just always has to be really intense all the time. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And 
certainly when you see him like turn up in a comedy like funny people and he's doing the intense thing it's like okay that's not good we were having fun till you turned up and then when we see him here in hulk and there's many times where i thought that thought he was like trying to do uh you know try and play the hook without actually doing any cgi so you see him doing a lot of gurning and grunting and carrying on it's kind of very much similar to um when you watch the elephant man on broadway and they don't actually use any prosthetics you just have the actor pulling stupid faces for the full, <laughs> the full but play, it's also so. the fact that you know i think that hulk is one of those characters where it's very um obviously it's very jekyll and hyde style but at the same time it's also kind of like a character which is more based on its backstory which is why i always think that they always do the backstory angle of it because there's so much more to learning about bruce banner and how he came to be you know the hulk and that sort of thing more than you know the hulk in action because a hulk in action is more of like a very one tone type of person so he works well in say like the avengers as kind of like this uh brute kind of comic relief um Mm. that sort of thing but if you were to give him like you know his own movie i think that's where it kind of falls a bit apart because there's only that one backstory you can tell and it's like the origin story of how this all started and i feel like obviously this one being at you know the two hours and 20 minutes or something that it's at it digs deep in the beginning it digs really deep in the beginning to you know show where this goes and there's a lot of like scenes and of of experiments happening and and all kinds of that stuff going on and then you never really you know they never really like they kind of like tiptoe around who he is and what the dad did to him kind of thing and then until you know that changing point where you know the the father comes back and then things happen and then you know it kind of changes the whole angle of how he became who he is. Yes, and with the opening sequence, I mean, the opening spends a large amount of time focusing on his father, David Banner, um, here played by um, Nick Note, and who's looking like a wild man because he's grown his hair out for the role. It's, it would be ironic that this would also be the time he got the arrested for, with a DUI and given us that now infamous <laughs> photo of him looking rather disheveled and yeah at the start where he's obviously introduced and he's trying to create the super soldier formula uh by taking modified dna sequences to you know try and strengthen the human cellular response and improve healing and basically he's being shut down and he resorts to basically experimenting on himself invertently passing on the sort of genes of his uh, experiment yeah. onto his son, uh, which obviously lays the foundation for Bruce becoming uh, the Hulk when he gets a, a good old dose of gamma radiation. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. With the Hulk, he is a very difficult character to use as a as a film because he is very much better in a supporting role there are obviously stories where he works a lot better as a leading character when we look at things such as like planet hulk and world war hulk um certainly planet hulk was elements that were borrowed for for ragnarok where he's like fighting as a fighting as a gladiator green scar um that's all that stuff's all from planet hulk which is a really great uh book much like world war hulk uh, if you want to read the comic books, but as a character, I mean, yes, he's the main sort of gist with the Hulk storyline is that Bruce is always on the run, trying to keep control of the monster and try and cure himself of being the Hulk. And at the same time, the Hulk um, is this sort of like defense mechanism. He won't let Banner die, but he, so Banner can't kill himself, and he's constantly being forced to battle these monsters and creations that are sort of being created as a result of people trying to replicate the Hulk formula so he sort of like creates his, his own chaos just uh, just just through force of being who he is and it's kind of unusual the fact that Lee and when Lee chose to process the fact he spends so much time like turning this into a father-son drama again because we know how much he loves his father son yeah dysfunctional families yes it's weird the fact exactly and he's like 
Oh, it's sort of like when he has the hook, he's like, he's like, oh, what do we, what are we going to do with it? I know, we're just turning to two and a half hour family drama and then, you know, work in the hook in like the last hour, which is such yeah. a bizarre approach because when you go to see the hook, you want to see the hook. You don't want to see people <laughs> moping around and, and and being all angsty for, yeah, for two hours. Yeah, I think that that's one of the main problems is that, you know, while while I think that, you know, there is a lot of, story to tell between in the Hulk because he's always you know especially now with the Marvel Cinematic Universe other than the fact that he was in the Incredible Hulk in in phase one he's always been kind of like um a character just that just kind of like is a supporting character in the background so we never really understand especially I think for most people who go into the Marvel Universe like myself who hasn't read any of the comics the Hulk is this character who's just this big green giant he's kind of like this, he's kind of like, uh, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. He has two sides and then the other, you know, the 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 side with that's human, Bruce Banner, is trying to, is really trying to tie down this monster and control it. But he's having a hard time doing it at the same time because he has to control his anger and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, Ang Lee taking this project on was, was in one, in some ways, a good thing because... He's more of a storyteller. He's more of kind of like the more dialogue driven and not so much into action. And it changes this whole superhero uh, formula that I was tele-talking to you about off air. Where, you know, superheroes yeah. are always in that whole thing. But in this one, a lot of the action happens at the end. Part of it is good and part of it is bad. Obviously, because you go into a superhero movie, you really want to see some action going on. You want to see the Hulk having more stuff other than wrecking a lab and then running away and jumping through the desert and that sort of thing. But but at the same time, you know, like, it, it was kind of nice to see that there was so much more detail about, you know, just the genetic changes that went into him. Like, just in the beginning sequence, we saw, like, you know, the David Banner was, in, was looking into all kinds of DNA from starfish to, you know, the regeneration process and defense mechanisms of sea cucumbers and, and you know, there was the lizard's poison and, and the monkeys and all kinds of things. And it kind of, like, builds this foundation as to what, why the Hulk is so indestructible in that sense where... He's built, he's tried to find this, you know, David Banner's tried to find this whole genetic change in humans where they can make you invincible and make you kind of like just your body has the defense mechanism which will heal you right away. Just kind of like, you know, the concept of, of, of you know, other supernatural beings we're seeing like vampires and stuff like that, obviously. So it's really interesting to see like this angle of, of the Hulk being explored. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's very much the same thing, you know, they try to work in the whole girlfriend angle who's no longer his girlfriend, but seems to be his girlfriend still, and it's very confusing in this whole Betty situation, but I actually think Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly is one of the better parts of the movie. <laughs> I think everyone remembers her from being in Labyrinth, and then we kind of forget that she's been in other films since then. I mean, she was in Blood Diamond, she's been in this, she's in Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. She constantly turns up in surprising places and is a very good actress who also has the advantage of good breeding because yeah. she never seems to age. She always seems to like remain the same age, much like uh, Sam Elliott. Yeah. Sam Elliott's always <laughs> remained the old man <laughs> prototype, and he's perfect as, uh, as mm. a General Thaddeus. Really, because you need that sort of yeah. gruff uh, gruffness yeah. which Elliot has, and we've obviously seen it more recently in uh, the man who shot Hitler and then the Bigfoot, that he just really has nailed down how to be like these sort of southern gruff gentlemen who know who are just take no nonsense and get things done. And I think right from the earliest sort of role, I remember seeing him in, in uh, once. In We Were Soldiers, where he's calling Custer a pussy, and it's just he's never really played another role than these sort of play than these sort of like Marvel cowboy sort of uh, characters, and just here he's so perfectly cast. I mean, he took on the the role script unseen just because he wanted to work with Ang Lee, which I think so. It's just a lot of sort of faith in what Lee was doing, 
um, in the project, and it just makes me wonder, like, did anyone, when this was going through its sort of production process, did anyone sort of stop to think it's sort of like, you know, people who go to see a comic movie, are they really going to want to sit through so much angsty <laughs> drama and so much sort of, like, science, really? And a lot of the science that we see in the film is actually carried... Um, is research that's been carried out by Ang Lee's wife, who, let's not forget, she supported her husband for like four years when he was as a, a house husband. So it's nice to see she's getting some thanks finally uh, from his movie career that she's supported all those yeah. years. So, yeah, it's a very difficult. Just to go back to what we were saying, though, it's a difficult character because Hulk is such an old school comic book character. And general old school comic book characters, they just are all about, you know, the incident of the week and I think that's why he works so well as a TV show it's sort of like you know he rolls into town and solves a problem and then hitchhikes out of town again and when you've got a film you've got slightly bigger sort of um, you've got a bigger sort of canvas to fill and that's where Lee tries to do these sort of like family sort of drama and like bring in the evil sort of father who's got his own sort of schemes and the military have obviously got their schemes and it just ends up just feeling yeah. really tedious. And a comic book movie should be fun. If this was like a normal drama, I mean, I would be more accepting. But yeah. because I'm expecting a comic book movie, I expect a different sort of movie. And Lee here is trying to just do the same thing, but, you know, change the skin out and put a comic book uh, hood on the... On the uh, over his usual work and it just does not work you know you know how what i felt about when i was watching this was i i hate to i hate to compare it to it but i had this whole feeling watching this hulk movie i felt like i was watching that godzilla movie the the one before this one where the one before the one that just got released where there was a whole lot of chatting but not a whole lot of godzilla and in this one it was kind of the same thing where it was kind of like a whole lot of backstory and a whole lot of conversations and crazy nick nolte and and you know like close-up angry scenes and a lot of close-up faces that really was a lot of over-exaggerated acting and then and then you know there and then you know like the hulk really has like that big fight scene which every superhero needs at the end and it was just the wildest thing because you're watching this and you're like what is going on i don't i don't understand <laughs> you know like what am i watching you know and it, it's just it's it's i don't know like like i said i'm i'm very on the fence on one hand i i applaud the fact that Lee is trying to do something different with the superhero genre more in you know his style he didn't kind of like you know give up his own style to kind of like for for you know just following the general concept of how superhero movies should be made but on the other side it is a very very dramatic movie and every single actor reminds me of how it reminds you of just how much drama is in this whether it's you know the father-son relationship that you know bruce banner can't remember for the life of him until he turns into the hulk and then you know there's a lot of these things where it brings up the questions of you know the nature of hulk is he really like he doesn't remember much when he is the hulk but at the same time he's also very conscious about the changes that he's had in his past that's when he sees most of his past again so i don't know like i feel like the story itself also has some really odd components to it that i'm not sure really does make sense and and i wonder if it's because i don't know the comic books well so like i don't know the comic books at all that it 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 affects okay. kind of like my viewing experience you know so which were the odd components that you found with the film? Well, it was really like the fact that, you know, Hulk always seems like this kind of like when he's the Hulk, he doesn't know what he's doing. He kind of doesn't yeah. have a conscience. He just, you know, bashes around and he's very natural. But then in this one, he's always like, obviously, when we're in the MCU uh, films, we have this thing where he has he's very defensive over, you know, say Black Widow or something. He has kind of like a conscience of who which side he's on. But with this one, he's like, has a very natural thing. He'll go to, you know, save Betty. 
or something, right? His anger will drive him to do certain things. Yeah. And and then, you know, at, at the same time, he'll have this very, like, general direction of where he needs to be. And at the same time, like, when he is the Hulk, it's like he remembers his past a lot. But then how will he know the past when he comes back out of the Hulk because he doesn't remember when he turns into Bruce Banner? So, you know, like, all these little things where I find are... I'm not sure if they fit together because of what we know about the Hulk or is it something that I don't know, I don't understand enough about it. Okay. Well, with the Hulk, the Hulk is really, it's that Jekyll and Hyde, whereas yeah. Bruce Banner is sort of the mild-mannered scientist who's a, a man of intelligence and, and calm. The Hulk is the complete opposite. He's about rage. Yeah. And his what triggers uh, Banner in this film to sort of turn into the Hulk is these memories that he's repressed. Mm-hmm. So by the memories being unleashed they cause him to hulk out and when we obviously compare him to the the hulk we see in the cinematic universe um is the fact that here we have a hulk that is been able to identify who his allies are because the hulk is, is a very primal sort of force he's got no sort of sort of very reasoning is very sort of base level so he's all that's hence why he's all about hulk smash and yeah. hulk destroy and and that's why he sort of he just sort of like stomps around the place and breaks everything whereas mm-hmm. with betty he's taps into those feelings that bruce has and it's sort of like that bridge between the two and that's what why she's able the only one who's able to calm him down where everyone else is sort of like attacking him so he reacts in a very sort of primal way to it and when we compare it to like with the avengers uh he obviously is these people have earned the hulk's trust Mm -hmm. and that's why they're able to have that sort of connection because they they tap into that deeper connection that that uh, bruce banner has yeah um, it's really interesting though that when we look at the action scenes and the destruction here, we've got another example here of a pacifist filmmaker, much like with Delmo del Toro uh, with Pacific Rim, where it's all about the destruction rather than human life being killed. Uh, so, like when he takes down the helicopters, everyone who is in a helicopter crash survives. No, nobody. There's no exploding helicopters in this. He saves the out of control. Uh, jet plane like there's there's never any sort of like harm to human life people just get like knocked aside or they get injured but nobody ever gets killed by the hulk which i thought was really interesting to see and i wasn't sure this was like a conscious decision on lee's part to ensure that the hulk's always seen as this heroic force even though he's obviously this creature of sort of mass uh mass destruction and the fact he gets bigger as well in this film the more angry he gets so like over the course of the film we see him get gradually bigger and bigger um as he becomes more angry and it plays well in i mean this is still a really nice looking cgi hulk and the film itself it looks absolutely stunning which mm-hmm. we should really obviously expect from ang lee but there's so many shots in it where it seemed like the hook was being cut and pasted into it such as like when we got the scenes in the desert where like hooks bouncing along <laughs> it just like oh at least you got some very nice scenic footage and there we'll just cut and paste some hook this hook uh bouncing around the desert um <laughs> i feel like i feel like some of these scenes are are meant to be that way it's like an after four <laughs> that it, is like, oh it, wait a minute we're supposed to have the hook in there <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, it's it's really like because they have this kind of like I feel like there's this like I was talking about there's this kind of like um, comic book uh, style to it. So in some parts they have some very like uh, they have some weird kind of like inserts of of like little animation sequences yeah. and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot of this is just kind of like them trying to like Lee trying to bring in that whole you're watching a comic book movie and you should have that comic book feeling sort of thing. And mm, and a lot of it has is a screen screen structure, whether you know the screen splits into four four screens and then you have like the the cop scene where it's like you see the cops at different places or the military or SWAT or whatever coming in. Um, in the different different see- screens on the on the t- uh, on, on like different um, yeah different screens pretty much on that one big screen obviously and it's it's just the same thing goes for you know those moments where he's hopping around and you're looking from above and it seems like kind of like you know a, a, a just a sequence 
where it's meant to be a little bit goofy and it's it's meant to be a bit comedic and a bit like a comic book and I don't know sometimes the tone is a bit weird in this one but I mean I think the effort is there and they do have some really nice scenes and really nice setups and 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 you know the action scenes do work pretty well so yeah i i mean i especially like the final fight where we got um bruce taking on his father who's got his own special powers at this point <laughs> uh where he's able to absorb matter and uh he basically turns into this like a uh, electrical sort of being mm. um and the two have this like fight where they're sort of like almost battling amongst the lightning and it's all shown in flashes you see you see like these flashes of them in like different sort of fighting um poses and stances and as they're sort of battling for the lightning which i thought was really a really really cool sort of look um and it's actually a combination really of of because uh, in the original script they were going to have uh, free villains, they were going to have the Master, they were going to have Zax, who's like an Electro sort of being, and the Absorbing Man, which is whose powers are more in tune with uh, with David Banner's powers that he has. So, they for the script we work and they sort of basically gave David Banner the same powers as the Absorbing Man, so he's able to absorb matter, like he can turn his body into stone and steel and water mm-hmm. and um, electricity, which is really kind of interesting. Uh, interesting seeing it during that final sort of fight sequence it creates some really nice sort of visual moments that yeah you really sort of get your money's worth with a director like lee who just sort of really sort of specializes in visual work and it's just a shame really that all the sort of big action sequences are out in the desert and it's like mm-hmm. oh hulk smashes up a couple of tanks hulk <laughs> smashes up a helicopter it's all like you just felt that they could do more with it. And I appreciate, like, the comic book paneling that appears yeah. throughout the film. I mean, it was exhausting for the cast because they basically had to keep reshooting the same sequences from different <laughs> angles. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, like, like I just want to cut in because you, you mentioned something about, you know, I thought it was very unique in the sense that they, they did, while it's all set in the des- desert, I really enjoyed that whole, like, helicopter scene where it's like you're chasing the hulk down and he's too fast so you're chasing him in a helicopter so there's like helicopters everywhere just trying to catch him and he just he just breaks them apart he breaks apart the tanks and it's it's really uh it was a pretty you know i would have really liked to have a few more of those very entertaining action scenes um but then you know you were talking about the visual and i think that one of the the better visuals, I think, that I really enjoyed in this one was the scene where, you know, I don't know if he's in the water or something at one point. I don't know how it triggers it, but, like, Bruce Banner wakes up, like, wakes up and he's, like, looking, he's, like, in this, looking in this mirror, and then he sees the Hulk kind of, like, appearing from behind, like, a mirror kind of thing, or glass. Oh, when, yeah, yeah and, when then, um... and then they just break the glass, and then... And then there's like it's one of those really really nice scenes that it's it's kind of like Bruce Banner meets his his alter personality sort of thing, and I really I thought that scene was done so nice. Oh, definitely! I think that was like one of my favorite yeah. favorite scenes of the film. It's just when yeah he's he's looking in the mirror and he sees the inner Bruce, which obviously is the Hulk in this case, and the fact that they mirror they mirror their movements when they first uh, see each other because they're obviously so connected. Um, and and you actually get the Hulk for the first time because he never talks, right? And in this scene, he's like puny human, you know? And it <laughs> and it's so satisfying because it's such, a, it's such an unexpected scene and an unexpected moment of, you know, kind of like Banner meeting Hulk for the first time. And during this whole thing, the only dramatic part we've had hasn't been him meeting the Hulk, but rather just him you know dealing with his father and then dealing with betty and then dealing with you know the the uh, lieutenant whatever his name is um what was his name uh i can't remember ross oh thunderbolt yeah the uh general yeah exactly general General Ross. ross yeah so so you know you have all these things and and you know for once he's dealing with himself which i think is one of the more interesting parts of hulk because you know obviously he has you know, we keep talking about the Jekyll and Hyde component to him. 
Definitely so, and I think this is again a problem with casting Banner in the role is his his level of intensity. It doesn't really warm us to the character of Bruce Banner because we're supposed to feel for Bruce Banner. He's this tragic figure. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he's just constantly <laughs> he's, tra- right. he's constantly constantly on the run from the military. He's trying to find some sort of peace and find a way to sort of cure himself of uh, the curse of obviously being being the Hulk and. When we look at the actors who obviously like lined up for this, I mean, they they originally they were going to give it to Johnny Depp, and he turned it down. And they were looking at Tom Cruise. They looked at Steve Buscemi. Really interestingly, we I would have loved to see Steve Buscemi as the Hulk. Yeah, that would have been like such a great comparison. He's like weirdly science guy, and then he turns into the Hulk. Uh, David Duchovny was also considered for the role, which again is another good choice. And Edward Norton, uh, more importantly, who who uh, sadly turned down the role, but took it uh, took it on for the next incarnation, the Incredible Hulk. Which, for my money, I mean, Edward Norton is Bruce Banner. I mean, Mark Ruffalo can just get the hell out of here. <laughs> he's just, he's just Disney's whipping boy. <laughs> because they just they basically like Edward Norton wouldn't play ball because he wanted more creative control of the character, and they were basically like Marvel, like no, we're not going to do that. So they brought in Mark Ruffalo to replace him. Well, I like, mean, at the same time, Mark Ruffalo is kind of like he he's been underrated for a pretty long time. I feel really, and 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 I feel like Mark Ruffalo is kind of like. Well, I feel like Mark Ruffalo has done some good stuff. I, I, I can't remember. I don't know why we're talking about Mark Ruffalo right now, but <laughs> because we're a, talking about Hulk actors. Well, let, so. let's let's talk. A, let's let's take a tangent here while while we take a look at uh, Mark Ruffalo. Okay. Um, Mark Ruffalo. He's done some. Okay, let's skip through. See, he was in Spotlight, and I like Spotlight a lot. I thought that was a really great movie. Um. And then let's see, that was in between. And, yeah, but he's done like really little roles in between. Like he was, he was kind of like, I remember him being in Date Night, and then I remember him being in like uh, other other movies. He was in Zodiac. He was in, you know, I I I remember him being in things, but then I never remember where he's actually been in. So you know, that's a problem. But you know, I think that giving him the role wasn't a bad idea. I do think Edward Norton is a better actor in general. So when he took over, you know, in Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton became kind of like the better part of the Incredible Hulk. Because I don't think the Incredible Hulk was a really great movie either. So... Well, it just seems that whenever they recast these parts, though, I mean, when you look at Terrence Howard, who was War Machine in in the first Iron Man, and then he gets replaced by Don Cheadle, who's just awful. And it's like, why did you do that? I love War Machine, and you're going to screw it up by putting Don Cheadle in there. <laughs> and then it's like the same with the Hulk. It's like, we have Edward Norton. Yay, Edward Norton. He's awesome. And, uh, I mean, I was even happy the fact they brought in Liv uh, Tyler to replace yeah. uh, play Betty. I mean, that's yeah. also great casting. But no, we have to go and replace Edward Norton with bloody Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Is it just because Mark Ruffalo's just more willing just to, to do what he's told? I don't know. I don't but... know. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't like, I haven't listened to a ton of interviews about his acting style and all that stuff, so I don't know much about Mark Ruffalo. But... I, you know, the fact is, Hulk is really there as a, you know, a symbol. And I think that, you know, in the Avengers, a lot of people were okay with, you know, Mark Ruffalo being in that part. Because I think at that point, he was doing some other stuff that had given him some some spotlight on him. I can't remember what anymore. But, so, I mm. felt like he became the choice because he was having this kind of, like, surge of popularity or something, maybe. So, I don't know. Um, I mean, MCU doesn't really need that. He can bring... They can make anyone popular. So, anybody can get into this and just kind of have their surge of fame. Um, that's how okay. I feel sometimes, you know, about 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 MCU. Because they... You know, everybody in Hollywood gets involved in it at one point or another. If you haven't, it's just because they haven't found the role for you yet. But sooner or later, either MCU or DC is going to pick you up. So... <laughs> 
it's always been interesting because when it came to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they were always the star makers because they brought in, like yeah. Robert Downey Jr. to, to um, who let, let's say at this point was still pretty much fresh out yeah. rehab. And it's like, why are you casting Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark? Because it was originally it was going to be Tom Cruise for years. They were but, saying he was play Iron Man. You know, we're, we're we're taking a huge tangent right now. But you know, I was wondering for what Tony Stark did he do Sherlock Holmes? Before, was Robert Downey Jr. That was post post his whatever when he did Sherlock Holmes, no? It's around the same sort of time, but I think it was really Iron Man that that really put him out there. I think Sherlock Holmes came slightly after um, Iron Man, and it's. I mean, as I said, they were just made these surprising casting choices, and now these actors pretty much embody the roles of yeah. of these characters, whereas DC have always been more the established star. But I mean, if we were to obviously had freedom to cast whoever we wanted as Hulk, I mean, who do you, who would you say is the ideal person to play the Hulk? I mean, what Nicholas Tays? Um, Who's you sort of who would you you have? You could have anyone in the world. <laughs> you had to bring it up. Uh, no, obviously not. Uh, <laughs> some scrawny Chinese guy. No. Um... He could, as I said, they can bulk him up. <laughs> That's where they do all these guys. And plus, he's Bruce Banner. He's supposed to be scrawny. He's got CGI to bulk him up when he hooks out. I really don't know. Honestly, I really don't know. I think that Edward Norton did a good job. So I, in my mind, Edward mm. Norton has been, you know, from so many Hulks going on, I feel like either Edward Norton or or Mark Ruffalo, in my mind, can be the Hulk. But Mark Ruffalo is a little bit lower than Edward Norton just because of acting-wise. Um, yeah. But, you know, bringing us back to... Bring, how about you? What would you... What, what would you... What, what would you do before we bring it back into our, our actual discussion? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Edward Norton is myself is Bruce Banner. I mean, he embodies the role. He's got the the screen presence of which you need with Bruce Banner. And at the same time, he's got that warmth mm-hmm. to him, even though Edward Norton is pretty in, intense at the best of times. But, you know, when he needs to switch up and do that, you know, you wouldn't like me yeah. when I'm angry. You sort of like think, oh, a switch has flicked there. Um, whereas Mark, <laughs> Mark Ruffler just feels like, you know, the... Uh, yeah. The bullied kid on yeah, the playground who's you know, like, oh, can I please be my you, friend? You know, you know what it is. Why <laughs> Ruffalo doesn't is not as as fitting in the role is because he's a weaker character. Mm. Like when he plays Bruce Banner, he kind of feels like that toned down, weaker kind of character that he's in. But I think it might also have to be the fact that at this point that he's playing the Hulk, he's already kind of like he's already known about himself and he's kind of like the zen character whereas when we're watching like edward norton or watching eric vanna which is essentially kind of like the same movie um yeah they're in that phase where they just discovered this character and they haven't reeled up to you know they haven't reeled in their emotions so their rage is really controlling their character um I think that that's that's a difference is that Mark Ruffalo's character in the fact that when we see him the first time in the Avengers, at least I think that's the first time, it's kind of like, yeah, it's really the fact that at that point, his character is about being very Zen. It's not about him like hulking out. He's trying to really control himself. Um, but, you know, I mean, we can compare it all day. Uh, but, you know, like. To reeling us back to 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 our version of two thousand and three Hulk right now, because <laughs> we need yeah. to get back on track before this gets on too. This goes on for too long. What were the main things that you know that really bothered you about Eric Bana? Was it just the fact that for me, what bothered me was the fact that he was very like he has just like in comparison to the three since we were talking about it, um, like he's more of the very. He always just had the same reaction face, you know? They had close-ups of him, and he always had that same, like, you know, intense face. And sometimes it didn't really apply. Like, it, it, it became very hard to feel pity for him or feel sad for him or feel like he shouldn't deserve all this crap that's going on because it's kind of out of his control what he did, like, what happens to him, you know, like, the fact that he's the Hulk. But it's it's just it's just he's it, because every time we th- they did this like close up scene into his face and he's like super intense and tr- getting angry and stuff like I just laughed 
So that kind of like really broke the experience for me. I think this is the problem with him is just that he's got the same, many of the same issues um, as, oh, what's her name? No. She's got, he's got the same issue that Natalie Portman has where his facial emotions are not projecting the, what they, what the, he's wanting the role to say. So like when he's introduced and he's like got the bike helmet on and he's supposed to be like, Oh, he's the goofy scientist for, but he's he just, instead he looks like, wow, I'm just intense Bruce Banner, but I've got a bike helmet <laughs> on my head. And there's later scenes where he's sort of like the wandering around the old army base. Uh, out in the desert and he's talking with Betty and he seems like um he seems almost like new agey in his appearance he's got this this worrying sense of calm to himself whereas you know at that point you want like Bruce to be more sort of like you know puzzled and unable to trying to make sense of what's happening around him and much less all these sort of like flashbacks to his childhood and these missing memories that are suddenly coming to the surface as a result of uh his him hulking out and it as i say it just felt, never felt like he was on the same sort of page he was um he it, 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 just, it just didn't seem to be on, on the right sort of page for playing the playing the sort of character and you kind of feel that he would be better suited if he was like one of the military oppressors mm-hmm. Uh, he would be better suited in in that sort of role. He actually but, would uh, fit. So he actually would fit really well as like a villain role because villain roles are like, yeah, he, he would. would work really well. I just wonder at one point if we drag this out far enough, will will Eric Bana get a role as a as a villain in MCU? Right. Well, he could have played the Tim Roth role in Incredible Hulk and played uh, yeah, Blomsky, yeah, yeah. who is um, obviously the super soldier who uh, turns into the Abomination. <laughs> Oh, I love Tim Roth. <laughs> Not so much an incredible role. <laughs> Not so much an incredible Hulk, but he's so good. <laughs> Again, it's sort of like, how do you replace Tim Roth? It's like, this is the problem we have. Um, so, but I think the, the thing that, that helps the film a lot is the fact that you've got Nick Nolte basically breaking his back to carry someone to film. And again, Nick Nolte's very problematic in the role. Like, he's good as this wild sort of frenzied sort of uh scientist character and he compares this character to king lear in that he feels betrayed by the world and i i mean i just there's moments where he he like really sort of shines in the role of this and there's other times where it feels like wow you're just an absolute Mm. monster you're just like the most horrible person ever um which is kind of a kind of a shame, but when he when it works for his character, it really works well, and I think he helps he helped keep me with the film a lot longer than I probably would have stuck with it. And I mean that, and the fact we had to obviously review it. So <laughs> that that's the other the thing we saw. It's a very motivating here, so. factor. We we watch we go through all these these films, even though they they turn out to be not so pleasurable, pleasant, whatever you call it. Um, yeah. So, you know. <laughs> At least with the... Something we can obviously work, talk about later uh, in this season is the fact that Ang Lee would credit this film as preparing him for working with computer graphics, which obviously play a key part when we get onto Life mm-hmm. of Pi. Um, so, and that's way off in 2012 on this, this sort of storyline. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the other problem here is the fact that Banner's not a fan of the Hulk comics, whereas everyone else who sort of played the role, like Norton especially, is a big fan of the Hulk comics, and that's why he wrote rewrote so much of the script for the Incredible yeah. Hulk. And I think that's and here you have a, an actor who doesn't really care for the character, and I think that's ultimately very detrimental because he never really sort of taps into what Banner is. He sort of like just plays him as you know just generic science guy who has a has an accident at the lab. <laughs> yeah, that might that might also be that that's definitely one of the bigger reasons I think that you know because if you can't connect with your character, then you can really see it, like you can really feel it as the audience watching it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that's one of the sort of standout moments of this film. I mean, what did you think of the dog fight sequence? With the hoop I thought that was pretty fun. <laughs> it was a nice, it was a nice break because we had a lot of like very intense scenes about you know just 
you know, dad and his purpose. And, you know, you knew he had something up his sleeve when he was like, oh, you know, this is happening. And then he goes and steals steals her scarf or something. And, and you know, you know, something's happening. And, and you never really realize that these dogs are are also, you know, genetically mutated in, in their certain way, too. Mm. I mean, these were the most complex creatures that industrial light magic had made at the point. At uh, this point, and I mean, the poodle alone has over uh, one and a half million hairs. If you want to sit down and count them all, and it's it's kind of a misguided because you think, oh wow, we're really the film's going to kick into action now. You know, Hulk's here, he's battling the dogs, and then I think it's like a good hour and a bit before we get any more sort of Hulk action after that. So it's kind of a mislead, but it does obviously create that sort of King Kong-esque moment between where Bruce sees Betty and he lifts her up on top of the car and it's sort of like, wow, beauty team tames mm-hmm. the beast once yeah. again here. And it's also credit to Jennifer Connelly who is, let's not forget, I mean, the Hulk is obviously CGI, so she's here act, acting opposite a cardboard head on a stick. <laughs> so it's always real credit to your actors if you can work around CGI. I mean... I was reading up on um, for the film Downsizing and they were saying like for the scenes where you got actors talking to little people in the film, they would just often be talking to little pieces of gaffer tape that have been put put on the uh, set to give them like a mark to look at. <laughs> well, you know, actors are supposed to have some kind of imagination, right? And then they can imagine and really put themselves into the scene. I think there's probably an interesting list just of like, what's been used to used to like fill in uh, for the special effects when acting and stuff. There's probably a really interesting list because I know that Paul Vernerhoven used a broom uh, to represent the brain bug in Starship Troopers. So there's some really great behind the scene footage of him attacking Denise Richard with a broom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, is there anything else that you want no. to discuss about no, this done. one? Uh, further watching, I mean, it is kind of obvious, really, where you go if you like this one, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, The Hulk is a superhero movie, so obviously it's a lot of superhero pair-ups. So, I mean, as I mentioned, you could do a really fun double feature of the same story and go for The Incredible Hulk and have a comparison between the two, like, you know. And, you know, discredit us. Tell us why we're wrong in thinking that Edward Norton is not better than Eric Bana. I don't know if you think that way. I think you're wrong, but obviously you can disagree. <laughs> um, but... Or maybe they're Mark Ruffalo maybe. fans. Maybe. They can also argue on that point, too. Um, but... <laughs> then they were really wrong. <laughs> and then, um, and then I, I actually went a bit into this kind of origin story kind of place and to a similar character that I think has a really nice origin story, and I went for uh, the Wolverine as kind of like, um, you know, the origin story for Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. Um, certainly, I mean, any of those sort of sound line Wolverine movies are really good. I mean, but the Wolverine and Logan are sort of like, they're also yeah. standouts of that little trilogy that uh, that they did. Um as for like Incredible Hulk, I mean, obviously Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton is is a standout, and I don't see them sort of returning to the character anytime soon, especially looking at the phase that lies ahead of us. But uh, there is the the animated film Planet Hulk, which mm-hmm. is really good um, and well worth worth checking out. Um, you can also check out the really the TV series, which has uh, Lou Ferrino painted green hulking out which is it's the best hangover tv i'll tell you that <laughs> and uh lou Ferrino appears in a cameo with alongside stan lee they plays the security guards which i don't know if you know knew lou Ferrino or not but i know of but no <laughs> okay yeah well lou Ferrino um is the definitive hulk yes he's just a big muscular guy in green paint but he embodied that character <laughs> Even when they were getting really stupid things to do because they couldn't figure out how to get Bruce to hook out, so like Bruce kicks a beehive or has to fight a gorilla or a yeti, <laughs> <laughs> he he made those scenes still a lot of fun to uh, fun, and I, that's why the series I would always say is it's campy, like the um, 
like the old Batman TV show, but you know, it's a lot of charm there still for it. And um, I believe it's the second film they did, um, Return of the Incredible Hulk, which um, features their version of four as well, which is kind of funny. Mm. He's not. He's not, he's nowhere near. Um, he's no Chris Hemsworth, that's for <laughs> sure. There's a guy in like a really questionable Viking outfit. So, but uh, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you as always for listening, and hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. And you can follow us as always on uh, Facebook and Twitter. We are also on Instagram, and uh, you can also check out our blog, which is Booze and Tea podcast.wordpress.com and uh, is that right? Movies and Tea pod? Movies and Tea podcast.wordpress.com Yes. Um, and uh, on there you can uh, obviously check out a full archive of episodes and other fun bits of writing as well. Um, but Kim, where do we go from here? We are going to 2005 with the Academy Award nominated or won or something. Uh, Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, he was the motion picture. Was it the motion? <laughs> oh, it wasn't the motion picture of the year. Yeah, it was the best director that he won for uh, Brokeback Mountain. So yes, we're going to be going going talking cowboys and scenic imagery yeah. and other fun topics <laughs> <laughs> when we uh, look at uh, look at look at the uh, that film uh, when we return for our next episode but thank you as always for listening and thank you to my co-host Kim and uh, we'll be back next time talking about 2005's Rope Back Mountain <laughs> <laughs>